0: Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Cape Cod Church, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, enjoy this message in our current series, The Story Project. So, we have been in this series that we call The Story Project, which after eight weeks, you're probably starting to get the gist of. We're telling the story as one story. The story of how God wants to give you and I a gift. The gift of life. And when we say life, we don't just mean life in the future, like eternal, everlasting We mean life in the future and life now. And we don't just mean that he wants to give you a spiritual life. Sometimes we put it in that bucket. He wants to give you a life, both physical and spiritual. He cares about your soul and about your body, about your life as a whole. And he doesn't just want to do that for you and for me. It's not a gift that's intended just for, you know, church people. It's for everyone. That's an important point to make. It's for everyone. And this is what fuels our passion for ministry as a church. This is what fuels our desire to be, to use the word evangelistic and Uh, What we mean by that is there's good news, there's a story, the gift of life, and we want to tell everyone everywhere about it. And it's what fuels our efforts at compassion. When we help build a, a church in Tanzania or a medical clinic in Nicaragua or a home in East Falmouth, all of these are driven by the same singular desire that God has for his people. He wants us to have life, physical, spiritually, He wants us to find life in him. And this fuels us as a people, and as a church. And so this weekend, I, I, I want to take that and I want to put it to, together. This is kind of a, a, a two-week summary. This weekend, I want to talk about how the story becomes your story. And then next weekend, I want to talk about how the story becomes our story, the story of us, the story of the church. And we're going to wrap all of this together with a vision for the church moving forward. And we're going to gather as one church all together again next Sunday and celebrate what God is doing. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Today, I want to talk about the story and your story, how the story becomes a part of your life, an inseparable part of your life. And I think to do that, I ought to I ought go back a, a little bit of a, a review. And in fact, this is so important that as you came in, I handed you a, a set of notes. Some of you haven't gotten a handout in your hand in two years. You're so excited. Our ushers were like, "Yes, we have something to do finally." We're passing stuff out, and some of you walked by and said, "I'm okay. I don't need one of those." And that's good. We're used to that, but. Uh, These points were so important I didn't want you to forget or miss one I'm putting everything out there But I want to walk through it a little bit And I think to do that we go back Because what we've been saying Is that when you read the story of the Bible From the earliest chapters to the end of the chapters You find one story The story of how God wants to give life to His creation In every chapter, in every page, it is the story of God's plan, his his will, his mission to bring life. the earliest pages of Genesis chapter 1, which isn't a scientific text telling us how, instead it's a story of who. Who's responsible for all of this? And maybe most importantly, why? Why is beautiful. See, when you read the story with who and why, you uncover that he was doing all of this to give life. He just loves to create life. And you and I are the ultimate creation he has created. We literally bear his image. He gives us life, his life. But you know, the story doesn't end there. The story picks up steam and carries the imagery of two trees, the tree of life, which represents the presence of God in our life and Adam and Eve were meant for that tree, but then there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which represented man choosing his own way, choosing to be with God, choosing our own way, choosing to decide for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. And we chose that way. And we call this the fall, the crushing fall. Fall. the weight of brokenness we see everywhere in our world. But that story doesn't even finish there because no sooner do we read of the fall than we begin reading the story of how God pursues his people. He runs after them. He's doing everything he can to get to them and give them a message and rescue them and give them life. And then we see in the pages of the New Testament, that plan shows up in his son. Jesus Christ, who comes into this world and to bring us life, he, he gives his own life. That was a part of the story that we weren't expecting. But in giving his life, he atones, he, he pays for, he redeems, he, he sets us free from the bondage of sin. But then something happens you remember, we celebrated on Easter. It's the resurrection. He, he doesn't stay dead. The central truth of the Christian faith is the resurrection. He is alive and He is with us. And the restoration project has begun. With Jesus Christ's death, in his resurrection to life, he begins restoring this world one person at a time. And we've watched these stories on the screen, stories of restoration one after another of what God is doing in people's lives. And it's beautiful. And we know the work's not finished. The job's not done. But one day, one day, he'll set everything, It is wrong to right. But until then, make no mistake. His work has begun. He is doing exactly what he said he would do. Restoring his world one life at a time. Yours and mine. Literally giving us life. Or... As Jesus famously said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, and kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief has come to steal and kill and destroy. But, but, but my purpose, my plan is to give you life. This verse has acted as sort of an anchor for everything we've been talking about. But, But Jesus knew something. Jesus knew that when he came talking about salvation and new life and life to the full, people would be skeptical. So he begins this statement by saying, what? The thief. Listen, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Listen, listen. the truth is the reason you're skeptical is you've met a whole lot of people who were selling and really what they were doing is they were stealing. And Jesus knew you and I would be skeptical when he came offering life and life to the full. Because lots of people have offered stuff and underneath that offer is what we call small print. Like, ah, what are you up to? One of the things I love about Cape Cod Church is that, is that so many people who come and visit, are, they're not there yet. They're, they're exploring, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're, you're exploring. You're asking questions. And, and if we were to sit down and have coffee, you might bluntly say, I'm not there yet, Ben. I haven't bought into all of this. And under that, there might be a little bit of curiosity. Because we're wondering, what is this all about? I mean, why is this thing of life important? And what does Jesus mean when he says, I've come to give you life and life to the full? So one way to think of it, and I offered this right back at the beginning of the series, but it's worth repeating. Because sometimes we're afraid, like, Like when Jesus steps into my life and says, hey, hey, come, follow me. We're like, ah, I don't know. Like, like, what does that mean? And what do I give up? And what does it cost, right? And I like to think of it this way. It's like if I came up to you and I said, hey, give me your keys. I'm like, "Yeah, let me have the keys to your car. I'm not giving you keys to my car. And honestly, you'd be right. You shouldn't give me the keys to your car. It's your car. You're making those $1,000 a month payments for the next 50 years. And sometimes that's how we feel when we when we we, we read that, that Jesus say, "Come, follow me," and we're like, "Well, what, what, what does that mean? And, and and what is it gonna what is it gonna cost me?" We feel like he's coming. He's saying, "Hey, hey, give me the keys." But and that's how we think of it. Like like God is like like demanding from us, like give me give me the keys to your car. But but let me change the story a little bit because because if you shift it just to, just a little bit, I think you begin to see what Jesus is actually saying. See, what Jesus is actually saying is more like if you've been out at a party and you've been with your friends and the night is over and your, your best friend comes up to you. And deep down inside, you know you had one or two drinks more than maybe you should have had. And your friend says to you, Hey, hey, give me the keys. I'm not saying you won't be annoyed. And you might even argue. You might justify, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But but deep down, you'll know this, you'll know, my friend is trying to keep me alive. When we read what Jesus is saying, come, come, follow me, we we read it as the story of a God who wants to give me life, who's trying to rescue me and bless me and give me not just life, but life to the full. And so what we've done over the last six weeks as we've sort of unpacked this we've said hey listen here here are here are all the ways this gift plays out in our life this is what this life to the full looks like and i've put a a summary of where we've been in your notes and and i thought it'd just be a, a good trip before i make one last point we we talked about a meaning that that no one can steal and how that what we measure in life has a habit of becoming our master. We should choose our masters carefully. We talked about a peace that overcomes hurt and hate. How often it is in our life that, that hurt, the deepest hurts kind of morph into hate and hate becomes a prison that we're locked up in. But the gift of life in Jesus Christ has the unique ability to unlock that prison in our life through an unreasonable amount of forgiveness. We talked about a family that endures divided times. Remember that? We talked about a table that we gather at. And at the table, remember what was at the table? The unique and the weak. We talked about a rest that resists hurry. We said hurry is the enemy of the soul. In fact, this may have been the hardest of all of them. The easiest to gloss over and say I'm fine and the hardest to actually do. If you doubt that, before the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to give yourself 60 minutes and you're going to argue with me. You'll try and negotiate me down to 30 and if I started at 30, you try and negotiate it down to 15 because we're all in a hurry. And hurry, as we talked about, is the enemy of the soul. We talked about a life of discovery that sets us free to authenticity. We talked about moralizing. How Christianity isn't just a flight of faith from Boston to Phoenix, it's the journey of discovery. And discovery is a part of what keeps us perpetually humble. And then last week, we talked about a generosity. It's not afraid of scarcity. We simply said, who we have matters more than what we have. So I said all of that to set the stage for the question you're probably asking. Well, how? I mean, how does all of that good stuff, the gift of life, How does that actually become mine? Like, like, how do I live those things out? Where do they come from? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Is it magic? I think sometimes we, we think it's like magic, like, like, like something just like happens to me. Now, I don't want to discount the, the power of God to bring about radical transformation. I was talking with someone the other day and, and we were, we were talking just about this. And it's, it's true. Sometimes God just, it, what, what, what feels like miraculous changes something inside of us. But my experience has been that the most radical and lasting changes don't show up like, like magic. And so maybe you're thinking, well, then is this just willpower? Is that what you're really talking about, Ben? Is like, you know, Jesus is a good example, and if you if you look at him long enough and listen to him preach about him long enough, then you know some of that will rub off. And if you got some willpower, you'll be a better person. And I don't want to discount willpower. I don't want to discount decision making and the importance of all of those things. But the the truth is. In my life, at least, that's not been where God brought about the most lasting changes. The most transformative moments haven't happened because I suddenly uncovered a a new batch of willpower. And they haven't happened because I woke up and suddenly it was like magic. A meteorite came through the ceiling and zapped me and turned me into something different. That's not been... The story, in fact, what has been the story is what Jesus says in John 15. So let me read this to you. In John 15, verse 4, he says this Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. All of those attributes, all of those gifts that play out, they come as a result of Remaining in him and he finishes by saying for apart from me you can do nothing i read this a few weeks ago thinking about this weekend and i had a sobering thought it's a bit of a confession i read this and it says remain in me remain in me remain in me some of you have a translation that says abide And here's what occurred to me. I'm just being honest. I'm better at visiting than remaining. Anybody with me? <laughs> I'm like a really good Jesus visitor. And I'm your pastor telling you that. You want your money back, don't you? <laughs> Sheavers. Like, it's like and, and I I don't wanna. I, I, I don't mean to discount, like Like, like I've I've seen God at work and do a remarkable transformative work in my life, and I've seen Him do it in the lives of others. But if I'm being honest, I've been better at visiting than remaining. See, a lot of us want want a God who's sort of like, you know, Amazon Prime. We all know, right? We want like two-day delivery. Like, like, all right, God, I need some encouragement. God, I need an answer to prayer. I need, a, I need you to fix this. And we start praying. And it's, like, it's like, you know, I got a prime account, so I'm like, I'm like locked in with Jesus for another year. And, and he, two days, man. Maybe there's even a fast delivery of a day. And then the prime guy shows up. Used to be the UPS guy. Now it's the prime guy. He just comes himself, right? He brings a box to the door. And he drops the box off. You know what I do? I go get the box. And I go back in the house. If the prime guy is standing there, I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm like, And if he stood there, I'd be like, why are you standing there? Like, you, you, you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. Thank you. Thank you. Did I miss something? Do I need a sign for it? But, but, but this isn't this isn't what Jesus is selling. It's not what he says. Like, I don't know how else to put it than to say this. Listen, Jesus doesn't show up with a box. He shows up with a suitcase. Like, he's like, "How you doing? You called." They're like, "You you you're planning on staying?" That's that's the deal. Because Jesus doesn't bring us a gift. He is the gift. Like, like this is the point he's making here listen listen this isn't about like a gift i drop off at your front door and i leave like this is i'm the gift i'm the gift and and when you remain in me, when, when, when you live in my presence, these things become a part of your life because they're a part of me. Do, do you see what he's saying? Like, listen, remain in me. And do you see why it's such a problem that we're better at visiting than remaining? We like we want him to drop good gifts off. And he's like, no, 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 no. I am the gift. I just want to remain with you. I want you to, I want you to rest in my presence. I don't want you to walk away from me. In fact, I, if, you, if you were to flip back in your Bibles just a, a page or so to chapter 14, he He sort of unwraps this idea. And remember, he's he's telling his disciples how he's going to leave them and they don't fully understand that yet, but they will later when they write this down. Here's what it says. John chapter 14 in verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another uh, advocate who will never leave you. (laughs) See what he's doing here? He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him, but you know Him because He lives with you now and later. Will be in you. Jesus is talking about that transition after the resurrection, where the Holy Spirit, literally, he says, is going to reside in us. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you see what he's he's saying? Listen, listen. This is my this is my presence. This is how I I I, I remain in you. i I'm with you. In my Spirit. This is why His resurrection is so important. He's not, He's not dead and gone. The story's not over. He's alive and He's with us through the presence of His Spirit. Now, if, listen. If if you grew up like me, a Baptist, and and I got I got I got Baptist. Like I got a. If I had a tattoo, it'd be probably a Baptist tattoo. It's somewhere. And so the word Holy Spirit makes me nervous. Like, I'm like I don't know what to do with that because just like word over here like okay there is one and i'm glad he's got him but i don't know what he does but 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 jesus is like listen listen he's with you he's with you my presence is with you remain and and, and you're probably sitting here go oh, how does that happen like like literally ben like how how does the how do we remain in him where does that happen and I want to make this as practical as possible. I, uh, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to give you the tools, and I'm just going to tell you that, that in my life, there's been one habit that I've cultivated that's been the single most important habit in my spiritual life. And I just want to say this, and I told a group of our leaders earlier this morning, I told them this, I said, listen, in my spiritual life, the most important spiritual transformative moments have not happened in church. They've happened alone in my quiet time. It may have begun in church, but it finished alone. I, it just, I'm just telling you, like, like, like something in that place, alone with God, He's able to get a hold of our heart, and He's able to do something that, that nothing else can happen. It's just—it's it, this place where it's, it's a cultivated habit, day after day after day after day after day. So, I said all of that so I could give you five tips for doing this in your own life. So if you like to take notes, I already gave them to you. You can just circle stuff. You can just write it down. You already know where I'm going. Here's the first. Nothing else. Is that blunt enough? You need a time where you do nothing else. You need to give yourself. Fine. Give yourself 60 minutes. Some of you say, oh. No, really, you should. You're worth it. Give it to yourself. You see what I did there? It's not for me. It's not like God's up there going, dang, I just wish you'd hang out with me. So Lonely. Maybe, maybe you start with 30. Maybe you're like, I have no idea what I'd do for 60 minutes. I've never sat self for 60 minutes in my entire life. I'm just saying carve out a bit of time where there's nothing else. It's just you, a Bible, or a Bible app, maybe a journal. And then number two, read and reflect. Here's why this has to be the beginning of the project because when we read when we read his his word we learn what his voice sounds like. You don't have to read large portions. In fact, we're uh, at the very bottom, we've offered a link. We, we offer daily devotion. I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but it's a place. And it's just a couple of verses, but it's a way to kind of saturate yourself. And when you read, you learn what the voice of God sounds like through his word. And I'm going to show you why that becomes important in a minute. Here's the third thing talk to him. This is why it's important to be doing nothing else and by yourself because you're going to talk i mean you may even do it out loud i don't think there's anything wrong with that that's why we call it prayer like talk to him and you're like I, i've never even prayed before like i mean i've asked god for stuff like amazon prime but i don't even know what and so i'm offering an acrostic listen i learned this acrostic how many learned to axe acrostic one time in their life sometime a long time i'm telling you it's out there right i love this right it's just easy to remember adoration confession thanksgiving supplication right Adoration, God, I'm just, I adore you. I love this about you, right? Confession, because after you get through that, there's usually something you need to get off your chest. There's something you need to unload, a guilt, a shame, a brokenness, a failure, a weakness, a sin. You're like unloading a confession. Thanksgiving, because the other end of that, you're like, God, I'm so grateful for this. And then supplication. We just needed an S letter, that was all. It's a horrible word. But And you don't even know what it means, but now you do. It's like ask for stuff, right? Like, like I'm just going to... like Because there's stuff in your life and you just, you ask him, right? So do nothing else. Read and reflect. Talk to him. Now, for a lot of us, we'd be done there, but I want to add two more. And this is where it gets a little bit different. I want to invite you just to finish your time alone by asking God. Just ask him. Lord, what do you want to tell me? What do you want to say to me? What do you want me to know? And then, listen. You no, know, you, you think I went off the deep end, don't you? Just listen. I don't mean for an audible voice. I'm going to tell you, I've never heard an audible voice of God in my life. But I've had clear moments where it was like, God was like... <clears throat> Did you see, here's what it says in John 14, verse 25 and 26. Um, He says, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Let me just read that again in case you missed it. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. How in the world is that going to happen if you don't stop? Where does that happen if we don't carve out time? And we don't ask him. We don't listen. You know what most often happens in my life? God just reminds me of His Word. It's what it says it does here, that the Spirit reminds us of everything He has said. You, you see, this is part of the habit of remaining in His presence. And in His presence when he takes up residence in our house, not with a box, but with a suitcase, those gifts become ours. Literally, the gift of life becomes ours when the relationship becomes real. So, in a moment, we're going to bow and we're going to, close in a word of prayer, and you may just want to begin this practice. But there might be some here, and you've been kind of walking down this journey and trying to decide what you're going to do with Jesus. What was he asking of you? And I'm just here to tell you he wants to give you this gift. And what we've said over and over and over again is that gift usually starts In a moment of faith, in a prayer. I likened it a few weeks ago for that flight of faith from Boston to Phoenix. That makes no sense unless you heard the message. But it's a step of faith where you decide I'm in. I want to follow you, Jesus. I accept your gift of forgiveness. In a moment, we're going to bow our heads and I'm going to invite you to pray. And here's what I'm inviting you to pray. It's a prayer that says, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe that you came and you died on a cross so that I could be forgiven. I trust in that. I invite you into my life. I want to follow you. I believe, based on what the Word says in Romans 10, that when you pray that believing, it becomes true, truer than anything else you've ever experienced in your life. And I'd like to give you the chance to do it. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The moment is It's private. I'm not asking you how long you've come to church or how religious you are or how good you think you can be or how good you think you will be I'm I'm inviting you to take a step of faith of belief in Jesus Christ In some ways it's that it's that first momentous moment where we invite him into our house to dwell with us, to live with us. If that's you, then I want to invite you in the quiet of this moment to pray with me. Maybe you've already started ahead. That's good. There's no special words. There's no repeating after. I'll lead you in a prayer, but it's the faith of your heart that God is listening for. You might pray something like this Dear God, I believe in you. I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. And I believe that his death on a cross. And his resurrection offers me forgiveness. And today, this morning, right here, I accept it. Jesus Christ, I invite you into my life. I want to live my life fully for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this message from our current series, The Story Project. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to meet you in person. We have services every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in East Falmouth, Massachusetts. Or join us for our live stream services on YouTube at the same time. If you enjoyed the Cape Cod Church podcast, we hope you'll consider leaving us a review so that other people can discover us too. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode.